Okay, ladies and ladies, let's get going. It is pouring outside, but inside it is warm with the fire of Torah. Okay, what I want to look at is, if you go to Perek Tetvav, Pasuk Chafbet, we have already experienced Kriyat Yamsuf. Amazing experience, right? Let's just like analyze what happened. Gemara says that that Kasha Kriyat Yamsuf, that Kriyat Yamsuf is the most difficult thing for Hakadosh Baruch Hu to do. Number one. Then it says that as that during the period of Kriyat Yamsuf, that even the most um, lowly shivcha, the most lowly maid, maid servant. Why they use that, I'm not sure, but it's an interesting thing. The most lowly maidservant had an unbelievable vision uh, and clarity of our Kaddish Baruch Hu, To the extent that the, the emunah that they felt at that time was so incredibly deep and so powerful and so um, clear, right, that they saw more than all the greatest of the Nevi'im. So you're talking about a person who is has no relationship conceptually with Hashem on a deep level, all of a sudden seeing that. Okay, now you need to understand that. Why? Because once you understand that, then perhaps we can try and understand what happened to them in the next part of the story. But the next part of the story is very difficult to understand. They're at the, they're at the, um, the shores of Yamsuf. They've just seen the Mitzim uh, be drowned. And then it says the following. Vayasa Moshe et Yisrael miyamsuf. Then Moshe, Vayasa, is a, means that, not Vayisa, that means he would, he traveled. Vayasa means he caused them to travel. Right? Caused them to travel. What does that mean he caused them to travel? Hello? What does it mean? What does it mean he caused them to, that's how he translated it as well. He caused Am Yisrael to travel. Well, he forced them to leave where they were. He caused them. He pushed them. He encouraged them. He cajoled them to move from where they were. Why were they there? So Chazal tell us why they were there. Because they were busy collecting the gold. Okay? Now, why is that such a big thing? So they were collecting gold. What would you do if there was all gold lying at the, at the, um, um, the shore of the sea? Free to take. What would you do? Jenny. But take it, right? Nachon? Yes? What would you do? The problem is, B'nai Israel have just had this unbelievable clarity of vision. And the clarity of vision must go and link up, right, with the whole purpose of their coming out of Mitzrayim. Why did B'nai Israel come out of Mitzrayim? For Matan Torah. To go from Matan Torah to Eretz Israel, right? Dayenu. If that's the case, these people have just had incredible, unbelievable clarity on that. And what happens to them? What's more important? The gold. So obviously they use it. No, we have the gold, then we can get this. You know, your Jews make excuses, right? right? So it's interesting because what's clear is that whilst the Emunah now has a different depth, they still do not have the drive to get to the end of their purpose. And because of that, you're going to see what happens with, with, with Moshe. You understand that? 
So it's not just a thing. Moshe Rabbeinu has to force them to leave Yamsuf. And where do they go? They go into Midbar Shur. And they walk for three days in the desert. And they did not find water. What is the Torah telling you? What's the Torah telling me? They went into Midbashur, it's a desert. And in the Midbashur they walked for three days. What does that mean? Just translate the words. Simple translation. Don't be so scared. If you get it wrong, I'll shout it for like one minute, but nothing more. No. What, what, what does it mean? Simple. They didn't find water. Does it mean that they were thirsty? Right? Are they thirsty? Doesn't say that. It doesn't say they're dying of thirst after three days, they haven't drunk anything, right? It just means they didn't find water. Why is that such a big thing? And it's on that that Chazal start talking about this concept that Mayim really speaks about Torah, which means a, 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 a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a profound intellectual way. They did not see that, they did not find that whilst they were traipsing through the desert and they become spiritually despondent. That's one way of understanding it. And that's why we, Moshe and Ezra later, were Matakain. They, they fixed that Amishrael should always not go less, more than three days without learning Torah, which is why we have the laning uh, on a Monday and a Thursday morning. So you lane on Shabbos, then you lane on Monday, that's two days later. Then you've got Tuesday and Wednesday free, in case you're not learning, but obviously this is Midrashah, so we're learning all the time, right? right? Then you've got Tuesday and Wednesday free, Thursday morning you learn Torah again, and then it starts the cycle again. So there's never three days without Torah. That's a nice, um, agadic understanding of this. But let's try and understand it now from B'nai Israel's perspective. Number one, they know they're going to go and get the Torah, correct? They know they're going to reach some great spiritual heights. But it seems to be what's more important for them is, is the mind. Lo matzu mind. They didn't find water. So, so what? The same God that made the sea stand still. The same God that made this, the, dry, the, the wetland dry. The same God that did the ten plagues. What do you think? You can't like say, boom, hello, here's some water if you want water. You're walking in the desert for three days. You're a little bit worried you can't find any water. Right? They shouldn't be worrying. The emunah that they had in Hashem in three days goes like that. Lo matzumayim. And then what happens is, Vayavo Marata. They come to this place called Mara. And It's clear therefore there was water in Mara. The thing about the water in Mara is they couldn't drink the water in Mara. Did they find water? Yes. Could they drink the water? No. Kimarimaim, where there were bitter water. Waters. Alkain therefore crash my Mara. That's why it's called Mara. Now there is a lot in that possible, by the way. Mara, 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 Mara. It's like unbelievable. I don't want to go into that because I haven't got time for that. But what's important is that they come to this place where there is this water. They cannot drink the water because the water is bitter. The name of the place is named after the bitter waters. Who named the place? The place is not clear. But they're sitting there. What should they think right now? What should they think? So some bloke went... And he saw the waters and he ran up to the water and he took the water in his hands or her hands. I'm not sure if it was a man or woman. And they tasted the water and they, oh, it's terrible. This is bitter water. What should they think right now? 
Well, number one, yeah, we found water, but the problem is the water is bitter. So what should they think? So, so they look at a bit of self-reflection. Okay? That's number one. Good. Let's have a bit of self-reflection. Why would the waters be bitter? Why are the waters bitter? So Hashem made it bitter. Right? Why does Hashem make the water bitter? Oh, shame. Shame. We can really, we can really like it. Like really. I mean, yes, perhaps. But let's think a little bit more. Why does Hashem make the water bitter? Why does Hashem make it difficult for them? To test them to do what? If they have their emunah. And how, when things are tough and you have emunah, what do you do? You daven, right? Okay, that's the rule. Things are tough, you have emunah, you daven. Correct? Look what they do. Unbelievable. These are the people that saw, remember, you've got to keep this in your mind the whole time. They saw with clarity the Rebbeinah Shalom that no one's ever seen before. And no one's ever seen since. Unbelievable. Pure Imunah. They had total belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They believed that Moshe Rabbeinu was the Ever of Hashem, was doing exactly what Hashem had told them to do. It's like unbelievable. And here they get them. What did they do? Vayilonu ha'am al Moshe leimor ma nishteh. So what do they do? They go to Moshe. Vayilonu ha'am al Moshe leimor. Who's a good, who's good at Hebrew here? You can put your hand up, you don't complain on someone. Who are they complaining about? Al Moshe. They complained about Moshe. It doesn't say they went to Moshe and they complained to him. They complained about him. They're fetching. They're sitting in their tents and they're fetching and they're saying, Moshe, what are we going to drink, guys? Hey, let's go and... Do something. Let's go tell Moshe we're upset. We can't, nothing to drink. You see that? Didn't say they went to Moshe. Just said, Vayelonu al Moshe. Okay? So they're fetching. They're complaining. They're going, and what happens? What does Moshe do? Well, it's not clear. It says, Vayitzak el Adonai, Vayareyu Adonai, Eitz Vayashlech alamayim. Vayitzak, who Vayitzakt? Okay? Let's just keep it as that for the moment. Moshe cries out to Hashem. That word, where do you know that word from? Thank you. Let's go back there because now we're going to see something that's a little bit strange. Right at the beginning of Parashat Shmos. When they are enslaved. Um... It says, sorry, not right at the beginning. Um, let me just get this. When it says, where is it? Yeah. If you go to page 300 in the art scroll, Perik Bet Chaf Bet. Now, there's a very important thing there. Can you see that? Okay. 
Now the word Vayizakub and Vayitzak are very, very interchanged. We find that elsewhere. We find that where it says that um, um, Esav used the word Vayitzak and in, when it speaks about Bnei Israel, it says Vayizak. Bnei Israel, sorry, when it speaks about the Jewish people in, in Shushan, it's used the word Vayizak. So Vayizak and Vayitzak are the same word. So they cry out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes and he tells Moshe Rabbeinu. What does he tell Moshe Rabbeinu? He tells Moshe Rabbeinu what, that he, he's, he, he's, he's got it. I am Hashem, your God, and I've heard what's going on in Mitzrayim, and I want you to let them out. And again, when, oh, this whole process of Vayitzak, Vayitzak. What does Vayitzak mean? What kind of cry is Vayitzak? Say again? Vayitzak. It's Vayitzak and Vayitzak. It's the same cry. It's the same thing. But Soloveitchik says it's a primordial cry. There's no words. They're not, they're not crying with words and please Hashem, please help me, help me. It's a cry. It's a pure cry of desperation. Moshe Rabbeinu stands in front of the Rebbeinu Shal Olam and it doesn't say what he says. Because he doesn't say anything. Well, the Torah doesn't say what he says, what he says anything. He stands before Hashem and he just, like, just so deep, so frustrated, so sad, so disappointed at this people that he's taken out who have seen everything. And he cries out to Hashem, by Yoreu Hashem, eats, by Yashleich al Hamayim, by Yimtaku Hamayim. And Hashem shows him the tree and he throws it into the water and the water becomes sweet. The Natsif says, the tree was there. Right? They just needed to be shown that the tree and the water go together. All they needed to do was daven to Hashem. What an unbelievable lost opportunity. There's a major lesson for us there. If we say we have emunah and things get tough and we start fetching about the toughness of things, then it means we are deeply lacking in our emunah. Because our Kodesh Baruch Hu does not give us anything that we can't handle through our emunah. All you have to do is not manishteh, but rather, what do we do now, Hashem? Don't ask, don't say this, don't kvetch. Do something. What do we do? We dove. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't even have to say words. He's just got to like, say, Ay, Ribbeinu, and Hashem says, don't worry, that's the truth. Just put it in and it becomes nice and sweet. Okay? And all of a sudden, as a result of that, what happens? Look carefully. Sham, there, some law, he gave to him, Chok umishpat. Chok, what's Chok? Umishpat. Sham nisahu. And there he tested it. Or tested him. Says Rashi, Sham sam lo chok umishpat. Everyone got it? The Rashi? Bamara natan lahem miktsat parshiot shel Torah. At Mara, at this place, at this place where Bnei Israel arrived there and had the opportunity that they missed to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a normal world. Remember, everything up to this point in time has been HaKadosh Baruch Hu showing them supernatural things. We don't know what this tree was. We have no clue. But it seems to be 
that if you take the leaves of this tree and you put them into, on a simple level, take the leaves of this tree and you put them into bitter water, then the water becomes sweet. Is that a natural thing or is that a supernatural thing? So you can see it either way. But on a simple level, we know that that happens. You, there's certain chemical reactions with certain things. You put them into one thing and come down, out comes what you want. You all did that in basic science at some point in time in your life. Right? So it's the same thing here. You got a tree, you put it into the water, the water becomes sweet. But now Israel missed the opportunity to dive into Hashem for Hashem to show miracles, and I'm putting that in, in inverted commas, miracles in the natural world. How come the tree makes the water sweet? Because that's a miracle. That's a, all part of the miraculous world. But they missed that opportunity. There, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives them that Mara, Mikzah Parshot Shel Torah. Some of the parshas of Torah, Sheyit Asku Bahem, in order that they'll start learning them. Before we understand what he gave, why would Hashem, as a result of this story at Mara, give them Torah to learn? So that's Chazaz, I guess you three days of that, okay? But why is he giving them Torah now? Sheyit Asku Bahem. Not to learn, but to delve into it deeply. La sok Torah, right? You said the bracha today before you learn Torah. La sok Torah. It's the same word. Sheyit asku bahem that they'll learn deeply into these sugyas in Torah. Why? What are they busying themselves with? Each other, talking. So it's fascinating. It's like unbelievable. Look what's going on. What have they got to do, by the way, right now? There's nothing for them to do. Okay, they don't have to like go plowing, shopping, you know. They don't have to go to kosher world or fresh food. They've got nothing. They've got nothing to do. Everything is given to them. They've got everything they need. So what do they do? They quetch. So I think you're right is that they should be at a space where they are so connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they don't need this. But the reality is human beings aren't like that. Because this is part of, when you know, we speak about a person who got inspired. You, know, you all know people who get inspired. And then what do you do with that inspiration? Right? You live that world, right? You try and inspire people, and then they're inspired, and then... If you don't chap them in the first 10 minutes of that inspiration, right, you've got to go straight back to where you were from the beginning. Because being inspired is not enough. You've got to be inspired to do something. What is the thing that you're supposed to do with that inspiration? Kodesh Baruch Hu says, you know where you get your greatest inspiration, your greatest connection, your greatest way of connecting to Hashem? With Am Yisrael, with Eretz Yisrael, with everything that is Jewish people and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Askuba Torah. You've got to learn Torah. You've got to have it and you can't just learn it on a very simple level. It's got to be deep. Because if it's not deep, then your Imunah is not deep when it becomes challenged. Everything has to be deep. Now let's look at the things that were taught. The first one is the way Rashi presents it. Now, not, now if you look carefully, not everybody agrees with us. 
Okay? Firstly is Shabbat. What's Shabbat? What's Shabbat about? Say better than that. Say better than that. You're right. So it's resting, separating yourself. What's Shabbos really all about? Realizing Hashem created the world. Simple. Zachor, remember, that's the first thing. The first Zachor is Yom HaShabbat, right? What is, what is the Zachor? Remember, Hashem made Shabbos holy. Shabbos is the day you're supposed to remember. I'll tell you an unbelievable thing that I saw in, uh, I think it's the pre tzaddik of the Orachai in Akadosh. I can't remember which one it was. Okay? But he says, listen to this. Why? You know, in the, in, in the two Luchot, the one is Zachor, the other one is Shamor. The first one is Zachor to remember, the other one is Shamor to God. Listen to this, Gewalt. Mind me Gewalt. Hear this. It says, because what happened on Friday, Erev Shabbos? First Erev Shabbos. Say again? Correct, they sinned. So they created. Within six hours, it's all tickets, right? That just gives us really a lot of, you know, <laughs> motivation to move forward, right? Within six hours, six hours, it's gone. Sorry, 12 hours. 12 hours, it's a problem. Then what happens? Adam Arishan thinks that's the end of everything. Because as you watch the day getting darker and darker and darker, you think, well, that's, that's it. The day's going to get dark. There's going to be any light. And I mean, I'm finished. But what happens is it becomes Shabbos. And as Shabbos enters, he gets a different type of light. That's the Neshama Yaseir. Okay? How come he got it when Shabbos enters? So says the Orachim of the Sorry, I can't remember who it was. Says the following. He says, because as Shabbos enters, Adam Arushon is standing uh, to be judged. Sorry, standing to be sentenced. He's been judged. He's going to be sentenced. And Shabbos stands before the Rebbeinah Olam and says, Rebbeinah Olam, you can't sort, you can't kill him. So Shem says, why not? He says, I'll tell you why. Because you made me a promise. There's a Midrash that says that Shabbos comes to our Kodesh Baruch and says, they are... Six days of the week, right? Each day's got a partner. Monday's got Tuesday, etc., etc. Right? Sorry, Sunday's got Monday, Tuesday's got Wednesday, Thursday's got Friday. And me, Shabbos, I don't have a partner. So Hashem says, don't worry. Am Yisrael will be your partner. So Shabbos says, now you're going to destroy Adam Arishon, which means there's not going to be an Am Yisrael. You're going to break your promise. It's not fair. Hashem says, okay, good point. I mean, I'm sure it's not as crass as I'm making it. Right? So Hashem says, okay. And Adam Arishan is saved. Shabbos saved Adam Arishan. Shabbos saved the world. Got it? You know why we're going to Shabbos with Zachor? We remember what Shabbos did for us. Shabbos is, as we say in the Lachadodi, Hihi Makor Habracha. It is the root of all Brocha in our lives. Because Shabbos saved Adam Arishan. It is the root of all Brocha in our lives. Okay? That's why we say Zachor. Just don't ever forget that. Because that is so powerful and so important. Zachor, Shabbos saves us. And it did then. And it can do now. What does it do now? It gives us a deep insight into Emunah in Hashem. Vakodesh Baruch who created the world. Remember, the whole point of the Makot was what? That the Mitzrim would understand that Vakodesh Baruch who creates the world. And he owns the world. And he can do whatever he wants in the world. And he can change nature. He can do whatever he wants. Right? They lost it in five minutes. Three days. Three days. And they quetched about not having water. 
So Shabbos is there to instill that. What is para aduma about? Say again? So it's about purity. Okay, oh, very nice. So it's about what you were and now you become pure. Very nice. Very beautiful idea. What else is para aduma about? It's the chok. It's the thing you cannot understand. Right? No one understood it. Shlomo HaMelech, great, he was brilliant, knew everything. He said, I understood everything except Paraduma. Everything except Paraduma. Because in life, there's certain things you don't understand. But when you don't understand them, what does it mean? Does it mean you quetch about them? Or does it mean you seek to try and understand what you can and what lessons you can learn out of it? Surely the latter. Surely you look to learn things, not to quetch. Paraduma. And then the last one is... Vidinim. What are dinim? What kind of laws? So there's a big one. So dinim are the laws that govern interpersonal relationships. Okay? Why do you teach them dinim? So you taught them Shabbos Emunah, we understand. Paradumah, we understand, so that people understand that you can't always understand. Okay? What about dinim? Why do you teach interpersonal laws at this point in time? What is an interpersonal? What's the purpose of learning? Like, uh, if you find this and you know it doesn't belong to you and you find it on the road and you look inside and it's got a simon, you pick it up and you return it. Hashavat Aveda. Simple, right? You all know that aloha. Right? We don't know aloha. That's like common sense. Right? What's the thing of you? You, you bump into somebody's car and uh, you're in the parking lot and you leave a note there to say, I bumped into your car, please contact me and we can deal that. We will work out the insurance issue. Right? And you wouldn't do that. But well, that's the thing. Those are halachas. Interpersonal relationships are all about I don't damage you. I don't damage you physically. I don't damage you spiritually. And I certainly don't damage you reputationally. What did they do? They complained regarding Moshe and they said, What are we going to drink? What's just happened in the relationship that Moshe just had with the whole of Amisra? His whole leadership is now in flux. Right? Look what he's done. He's brought us to this place and we've got nothing to drink. Oh, you shouldn't have drinks, you know? You know, Moshe told us we've got nothing to drink. Moshe brought us here. Quetch, quetch, quetch. Right? I know I'm bringing up the quetch a lot, but it's a big thing. I'll tell you why it's a big thing when we finish this. So the dinim are not just interpersonal laws. The dinim are how you respect other people in a very profound way. Not only by making sure that if you damage them, you pay them, but making sure you don't damage them l'chadchila. That's Loshonora, Motsi Shemra, being careful how you speak to people, about people. You know, one of the biggest things um, that I find will be that you find people speak to spouses about their spouse or to partners about their partner. Or to friends about their friend. Do you know how damaging that is? What do you do to relationships when you speak to somebody else about somebody they care about? You understand that? Imagine, imagine you go, I mean, I love your husband, so I'm, imagine I came to you and I said, you know, your husband was really nasty to me. So you're thinking, that's not nice. I'm going to tell him off, right? So all you've done is you've created friction. Between a man and his wife. Or between friends. You know, he said every single morning. Every morning in the, in the, in the brochas of, uh, 
of Torah. The creation of shalom between friend, people. Do you imagine what this Manish Teh did to Moshe Rabbeinu? Can you imagine? All of a sudden, and people are quetching. So when you quetch, it's not because you made everything. Right? So this is what's going on here. Moshe Kodesh Baruch Hu says, be careful. Have a Understand where things come from. And just be careful how you speak about other people. V'sham Nisahu, says Rashi, La'am, he tested the people. V'ra'ah koshi arpan, she'lonim l'chu b'moshe b'loshen yafeh. And he found that they are stiff-necked, that they didn't speak to Moshe in a nice way. What did they say to him? They said, ask for rachamim for us, so we'll have water to drink. They just complained. They never asked. They never spoke nicely. They just complained. The learning of Mara is the test. The test demands a non-complaint. Now what is important for you guys to understand um, is something I've been thinking about a lot, and on this we'll finish. What I've been thinking about. What I've been thinking about is when issues come up, what do we do with them? Either you act as a spiritual mature person, a post-mara person, or you act as a pre-mara person, which is a spiritual immature person. Because when things come up, that's the test. Shamni Sahu. And what's the test? As Rashi said, how did they speak to Moshe? doesn't say how did they have a connection with Hashem and did they daven and they daven, you know, and did they light candles on Friday night or I don't know, did they eat madran kosher and did they check their lettuce and did they only buy it uh, Moishis, I don't know, that's not what it says. It says very simple, how did they speak to Moshe? The spiritually um, mature person speaks about the issue in an appropriate way. And anybody who's involved in community which you all are, in B'nai or whatever else it is, and in some type of community, needs to realize and to know that when one is confronted with issues in community, you either are a pre-Mara person or you're a post-Mara person. And our striving, what we have to try and do, is to be post-Mara people. Not to go, but rather to say, that we'll have something to drink. Don't fetch about it. Speak about the issue in an appropriate and right way. And I think that's what it means when it says, If you'll listen to Hashem's voice and you'll do the right thing in eyes, and listen to His mitzvahs, anything that I, that I put on Mitzrayim, I will not put on to you. Because I am Hashem who heals you. We say it every single day. Rafay, Cholay, Amor, Israel. Right? Three times. Three times a day. But if we've got issues, it doesn't mean Hashem just Rafay, you know, somebody's got Chasvashan, we've got cancer. There's two types of Rafua. There's Rafua Sanefesh, and there's Rafua Saguf. There is spiritual, emotional um, pain, and there is physical pain. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Rufei Cholei Amor Yisrael. All we need to do is use Him as the conduit for all our frustration and for all our stuff 
And if we delve into Him, then we become spiritually mature people. And I believe very strongly that this is what Mara is coming to teach us. Moshe Rabbeinu had to extract them from the place that they saw Hashem with the most clarity. Can you imagine that? They weren't prepared to go and get the Torah on themselves. They wanted the gold. Because even though they had seen and they had great emunah, they were not yet spiritually mature. And Mara is the test to see are they spiritually mature. And the answer to that is not yet. And so the Torah from now on is going to be dealing with spiritually immature people who need to learn how to become spiritually mature. And spiritual maturity is the key to what we need to learn out of all these parshas. Just a thought. Have a beautiful day.